Welcome to Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and this is the podcast that's all about art, creativity, and learning. We all could use a little creative nudge every now and then, something that will prod us, encourage us, and give us a shot of inspiration. Well, Artistic Accomplices is the podcast that does just that. It gives you small doses of motivation and creative encouragement. So as you make, create, play, and live, I'm here to share my thoughts on art, creativity, and learning. I'm also going to interview artists, writers, educators, and much, much more. So like the gym buddy that motivates you to hit the gym on a regular basis, Artistic Accomplices is that little voice in your ear telling you to hit the studio or to pull out the paints or to pick up the pen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's dive into today's episode. Thank you once again for joining me for Artistic Accomplices. This is the podcast that's all about creativity, art, and learning. And on today's episode, I'm wrapping up the uh the discussion, the deep dive into what I consider the creative blocks. So all along, I've been sort of thinking about this question. So for several episodes, I've been diving into what I call call the creative blocks. I've talked about creative myths, and I've talked a little bit about these creative blocks, and now I'm taking each one and going further with it, discussing it a little bit more, talking about how you can overcome these creative blocks. And all along, the one question that I've been sort of trying to answer is, if we're all creative, why do so many people believe that they're not creative? Because I do believe that everyone is creative, that we all have this innate creativity. Unfortunately, there are just too many people that, for whatever reason, don't even believe or don't even know that they're creative, don't even accept that they're creative, um, or even if they do believe that people are creative, that there are a lot of things that get in the way, a lot of things that stall us, that prevent us from really tapping into that creative, that, that uh, innate creativity. And that's why I'm here. That's why I've decided to put together a podcast and talk about creativity and interview these artists and, and hopefully some writers and musicians in the future. Um, so that's kind of, if you haven't been listening along, that's kind of where this has all come from. And today I want to really dive into the third and final creative block. So I've already gone into depth into two of these um, resistance and judgment. So with resistance, we often just completely resist our creativity. We, we deny that we're even creative at all. Or even if we do accept it, we resist ideas, we resist the, the urge to create. So um, a lot of times with the way we identify ourselves, with the way that we, we think about things, we are just simply resisting our own creativity. And the second one, judgment, that's the one I talked about in the last episode. We use judgment. We have we all have this inner critic, I, I think, that pops up. And, and if we can judge ourselves, if we can deem ourselves as unworthy, as not creative, as no good, um, as non-talented, then, then we just simply 
stop. We simply stop ourselves from being creative and doing the work that we say that we want to do. And so today I want to go into the what I consider the third and final uh, creative block, and that is attachment. So I think this is the third major way that we become stuck, that we block ourselves creatively. And so I really think this is, this is all about the way we get in our own way, how we prevent ourselves. Because I don't think creative block, like writer's block, um, is something that just happens or that it's inevitable or that it's like something that comes down from on high and and prevents us. It is something that is self-inflicted, something that is self-imposed. And this, this third block is exactly that. It's a way for us to cling and to grasp and to attach to different uh, different notions and we hold these things we hold on to these ideas these notions these concepts these beliefs so tightly that it's hard to let them go it's hard to move forward it's hard to change it's hard to grow and evolve and i think of it sort of like baggage i mean really it the things that we're attached to that those are the mental and or that is the most the mental and emotional baggage that we all carry around and i'm specifically speaking to creativity so this this mental and emotional baggage that we carry around with us um, when we think about creating Uh, and it's hard to put that baggage down and it's hard to like i said to grow to change to evolve if we keep keep clinging to this baggage it weighs us down so it's hard to be creative when we keep keep uh, clinging to certain ideas, certain beliefs, and certain notions. And I think one of the first ways that we attach, or one of the first things that we attach to, or perhaps the biggest, most major way that we we attach to things, or the way that attachment affects us and our creativity, is through identity. I've talked a lot about identity because. I believe that, well, I don't believe this, but I I know that the ego is the way that we identify ourselves. So we have created this image in our heads of who we are, what we believe, what we think, what we feel, what we do, what we say, how we act, and that's the ego. We've conceptualized this notion of our identity and who we are and the ego really clings to that. I mean, think about it. You've spent your lifetime, I mean, years, decades even, creating and crafting this, this ego. And it's very hard to let this go. Um, and so we, we get really attached to this notion of who we are and what we do and how we see ourselves. So we identify ourselves as being creative or not being creative uh, of being artistic or not being artistic or being musical or not being musical or being intelligent or not or clever or not and too often it's all rooted in this feeling of that we're never good enough i don't know why i think a lot of people and i'm not a psychologist but i, I think uh, a lot of psychologists and and uh, um, psychiatrists like keep in business because of these thoughts that were never good enough that um 
you know, we're not talented enough. We're not smart enough. We're not creative enough. And for some reason, we tell these stories. It's, it's always stories of lack, I, I think. Um, and I think a lot of people do have that. Like, even if they seem like they're the most put together person um, and you think, hey, that person has it all. They have no baggage. They have no problems, no no ideas, no issues. I think a lot of people do still suffer from this notion of not being good enough. So we've identified that. We've identified ourselves like that. And it's just really easy to cling to that, to cling to this notion that, that, that we're not creative, that we're not smart or funny or clever or artistic or whatever. So we doubt and dismiss things very quickly, very easily. And we create an identity that's very small, um, one that's not very capable. And I, for, I, I don't know the answer why we do that, but I just know that I've done that. I mean, that's something that I struggle with all the time is this identity of, of who I am and what I'm capable of. And I have to keep reminding myself of all the things that I've accomplished. And when I, when I start to feel like I'm not good enough, I'm not whatever, I have to stop and say, well, no, wait a minute. Look what I've done in my life. Look at the things that I've, I've, uh, I've accomplished. And so I think when we craft this identity, especially around this notion that, that I'm not creative, that I'm not artistic or musical or whatever, then I have a stake. My ego has a stake for keeping that ego, that, that identity going. So the ego really thrives on that status quo because that's how it identifies itself. And so when we get trapped in that identity we're clinging to it we're attached to it even though if we look at it analytically we might think like why would we want to put ourselves down why would we want to make ourselves small why would we even do that but we do and so when we start challenging the identity we start challenging the ego we challenge this this psychological construct of who we are and that's a little bit scary because if we're not this notion that we think we are, then who are we? And that's scary and it's risky and we grasp and we cling and we want to grip tight and we want to hide away and say, no, I, I am this uncreative, uh, unmotivated, uh, worthless person and it's just so much easier to, to, to hide, uh, to hide ourselves and not try. So that's a hard thing is challenging that identity, but that's the, the thing that we cling to. That's a, I mean, you know, I'm 45 years old, so I've spent 45 years building an identity and, um, building beliefs or believing things or clinging to notions, clinging to ideas about who I am and how creative I am. And I feel like I, I was pretty fortunate that at from the very beginning, I've, I've accepted that, hey, I am creative. But it took me a long time to really stop and, and identify myself as an artist and identify myself as a creative person. So I think that's the one of the biggest ways that we 
are attached to notions is that is this notion of who we are as a creative or a not creative person as an artist or as an uh, or not as an artist and so forth i think there's a, a couple other ways that we are attached and first of all we're attached to ideas so even if we do accept that we are creative and if we do identify ourselves as being creative um, and we want to sit down and we want to make art or we want to go into the kitchen uh, or we want to we want to pick up an instrument and play music or we want to sing or whatever it is that we want to do. Even if we can start making and creating, there's still attachment there. And one of the things that we are attached to are are, are our ideas. So we often limit what we do or make or create because we are attached to certain ideas. We cling to them. We, we grip to them tightly. And it's often difficult to push ourselves out of the comfort zone because of this attachment to these ideas. So to give you an example, um, I, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but for the longest time, I was really attached to doing portraits. As a visual artist, I loved to draw as a kid, and I really loved to draw portraits. And that was my comfort zone. Unfortunately, I was very attached to that. And even when somebody tried to push me, even to do portraits a different way or a better way, I resisted that. Um, I, I, I clung and was attached to this notion of what I did and who I was as an artist, as a young artist, that I was very unopen. I was very closed off to, to trying something new. Um, and so I think we can get really stuck with our ideas. And so in art, in visual art, a lot, a lot of times we're talking about the subject matter or the style that we make, or the type of art that we make. In music, it might be you know um, a certain certain type of song. Uh, maybe we love ballads, and we just always want to write or create ballads. Or maybe there's a certain riff um, that we play on the guitar that we really like, and that riff sort of comes up again and again, and a lot of the music starts to sound the same. Um, and I think there are a couple reasons why we cling or we're attached to ideas. And I, I think the first one is praise. With my portraits, as a young kid, I got praise for that. And my ego likes that, liked that. It, it wanted more of that praise. So we often go back and do the thing that we got praise for so that we can keep getting praise for it. And so that's how the ego works. It goes, oh, that person liked that. So now if I do more of that, that person will like it. And it's partly this, this notion of risk-taking, that if somebody liked it once, they'll, they, they'll probably like it again, and we can just keep doing it because it's comfortable or it's familiar or um, you know people like it. If I try something new, people might not like it. That's a big risk. That's scary. And we might not get the praise for that. And, well, the ego has a hard time 
handling that because if we don't get the praise for it or even worse if we get criticized or ridiculed for it that sort of reinforces this notion that oh well we're no good well the ego kind of wants to hide its head and and say like oh well you know I, I i want to do the things that i keep getting praised for the things that i get recognition for things that are not risky because the risky things challenge the identity they challenge um the, the comfort zone they challenge the status quo and so I think praise can be one of the reasons why we cling to our ideas the other one I've mentioned it already is comfort is that we just get comfortable with with ideas so even if we're not receiving the praise for it we get comfortable with certain ideas um, because maybe we're good at it you know, so for me, I became very good at portraits because I was drawing them a lot. I was getting a lot of praise for them for a while. Um, it was a way for me to show off. It was a way for me to connect with other people. You know, I carried a sketchbook around with me. I drew my friends and family, and it was a way for me to get that recognition and to get some of that praise. But because I did it a lot, I started getting good at it. And we like to do those things that we are good at. And so we keep coming back to it again and again and again, and we become very comfortable with it. And so I think in my own art making, that has been an issue, is how do I push myself away from ideas or, or um, toward new ideas? So if I'm very comfortable with something, how, how do I step away from that and go in an unknown direction? That can be very, very difficult. When I taught high school, especially, um, I would run across students who really loved a certain type of art, a certain style of art. And if you're a teacher, you might be familiar with this, um, but if you're familiar with anime or manga, which is, um, you know, they're Japanese, one anime, I, I think it's anime is the animation. Um, so when you think about Japanese animation, uh, you think about these certain this certain style of characters, and then I think manga, and I might be totally wrong with this. I'm not an expert on it, but I think the manga is like the the comic book art. Um, and so a lot of students are into anime, and especially whenever I was in teaching at the high school level, um, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, it was really, really big, really popular. And I and it still is. I still see elementary, middle, and high school students who are into that, who like to draw that. And there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not, but I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of art teachers don't like it. I mean, they some of them despise it. And I think it's because as an art teacher, you would see it all the time. And a part of it, I think a part of why some art teachers don't like it or struggle with it is that the students, that's all they want to do. They really cling to that idea. They don't want to push themselves any further. It's like they've, they've mastered a certain level of it and then they don't take it a step further. I still teach a high school summer class and it's a two week program and we have the students come in and we still see like with the portfolios we still see a lot of this anime and manga and like i said i don't have a problem with the style what i have a problem with is the students unwillingness to try something new to step out of their comfort zone and they they go back to just doing the style 
they go back to what they're comfortable with. Um, they're attached to that very strongly. And so I tell students at the beginning of this two-week program, I say, look, if you are so attached to your ideas that you're not going to listen to anything that I have to say and you're not going to try anything new, I tell them, stay home. Because you can sit in your room and do this all day long, every, every day, and not have to be challenged or not have to grow. But if we're not being challenged and if we're not being challenged to grow then why are we doing it? So we can really get stuck in this rut of, of just churning out the same thing over and over and over and over again to the point where we are stagnant, we are stuck because we're attached to these, these ideas, these things. Along similar lines, we can be attached to our materials. And I definitely know this from a visual arts standpoint, but I, th I think with any creative endeavor, we have materials that we're, that we work with. And so artists can get attached to a certain medium, you know, so they might, might see themselves a, as an acrylic artist. They might see themselves as a mixed media artist or just a sculptor or just a potter. Um, a chef might get attached to a certain ingredient or a certain type of food and find it difficult to try something completely different. So they might really be into using, you know, like different recipes for using different meats, but then ask them to do vegetables and, oh, they don't know what to do with it. It's something new, it's something different. Uh, musicians often are attached to their instrument and find, might find it difficult to, um, to try a new or different instrument even though they could play it because hey you know music you can read music yes every instrument is different and I think that's one of the challenges that's one of the reasons why we get attached to our materials because we have mastered them we have a certain level of mastery with our materials or the ingredients that we're cooking with or the instrument that we are playing because we have some degree of mastery with it. We, we feel successful when we use these things. So to try something new means the extreme likelihood that we're not going to be good, that we have to learn all over again. And we're not going to have the same level of mastery as we do with these other things. And that's risky and scary. And it's very challenging to the ego because the ego doesn't like that, doesn't want to fail, doesn't want to be a beginner, doesn't want to be the awkward kid that can't play the piano or can't draw a certain subject or paint something the way it can draw. And... So because of that, the ego doesn't want to take a chance with something new. So again, I think this kind of goes back to this notion of comfort, that we become comfortable with these materials, just like we do with our ideas, that we are very comfortable with a certain material because of that mastery. And we're just not as comfortable with something new, so we just go back to the same old, same old. I know I do that a lot. Um, even though I'm a mixed media artist, there are certain materials that I go back to again and again. And also within materials, there's also how we use them. So there are certain techniques. So 
there might be five or 10 or 15 techniques to use with a certain material as a visual artist. But a lot of times I find, oh, I only use this one or two or maybe three different uh, techniques. So again, we become comfortable with the materials and how we use them because we feel successful with it. So we go back again and again and again. Now, I think for me, um, as a teacher, that helped me a lot because as a visual arts teacher, and I taught in public school, taught elementary and high school, when I was getting my degree, my bachelor's of science in art education, I had to take a wide variety of classes. So I, I didn't specialize. And I think that's Part of it is a lot of times we specialize at a very young age. So the, the kids that are into anime, they get into it when they're in elementary school or middle school. They specialize. When you're playing an instrument, a lot of times it's like, oh, I started out, I played the piano. So that was the instrument that you play over and over and over again. And even though you could play another instrument, it's hard to move to something new because, again, of that learning curve. Um, there are... You have to learn it. It's, there's different techniques. There's different ways of, of using new materials. So as a, as a teacher of visual arts, I got a lot of experience with a wide range of materials, a wide range of techniques. But for the longest time, I really pigeonholed myself, especially with my ideas. And I was attached to using, you know, like I said, painting portraits. Um, drawing portraits and so I, I and I also limited the materials that I used in my own art so I, I felt like oh I'm an oil painter and so I would draw and I would use oil paint but over the years with getting more experience with different materials because I have to teach I had to teach different materials different techniques then I was able to to expand I was able to open myself up to not get so attached to try new things. And so I, th I think attachment is just this way of clinging and grasping to our identities, to our ideas, to our materials, and keeping us in our comfort zone because, oh, my comfort zone means safety. I'm safe in this little bubble. If I step out of this bubble, it's scary and risky and I don't know what's going to happen. And so the ego worries about that because, oh, I don't know the outcome. If I stay here, I'm pretty sure what the outcomes are going to be. And a lot of times, even just, you know, we use this word our or mine. This is my art. This is my, these are my materials. These are, these are my subject matters. So even that right there means that we are attached to our ideas, our, our materials, our identities. This is how I do things. So how do we move beyond this? How do we get beyond that clinging, grasping attachment? Well, we have to open up to the opposite. So the opposite of attachment is non-attachment. We have to become non-attached to these things might be easier said than done because we have spent a lifetime building up these attachments, building up our identity, building up our comfort zones. So in the previous two discussions on uh, resistance and 
judgment, I talked about how there there might be sort of like a three step um, approach that I that I think works with all three of these. And so the first step is awareness. We have to become aware. As soon as we become aware, then we're more likely to be able to move forward. Unfortunately, the ego likes to keep us very unconscious. So we spin these tapes, these ideas, these notions, and we talk to ourselves and our thoughts fill our head. That that keeps us unconscious. You might think, well, if I'm thinking a lot, aren't I being conscious of it? No, actually, if it's like a tape, like it's just looping over and over and over in your head, the same thoughts, the same thoughts about, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm not an artist. I'm not creative over and over and over again. If we are attached to those ideas that loop over and over and over, we're not aware. We're not conscious. We're not conscious of that clinging, that grasping, that attachment. So as soon as we start to hear those words those voices those loops in our brain we have to recognize what it is oh the that oh i'm being attached to that oh i'm i'm attached to my identity i'm identifying as this and oh no i i have to let that go so as soon as we recognize it become aware of it then we we can start to loosen the grip of attachment so we have to recognize it first we have to become aware of it and then we have to make a decision Oftentimes, people just make the decision like, oh, yeah, I'm really comfortable with this, and that's okay. I'm just going to keep doing the same old, same old, because, hey, I'm, I'm, it's comfortable. It's safe. I know what I'm doing. And so if you just decide to, to give in to the attachment, to not take a step forward, not to step outside of your comfort zone, then you're going to stay stuck. You're going to stay in, in that grip of the idea or the material or the identity that we've created. So again, the ego wants to keep the status quo because it's safe. It's predictable. But if we decide, no, I'm going to step forward, I'm going to step into the unknown, then we really start to become present. So the ego loves this idea of, of what's in the future and what's in the past. Oh, I was really successful with this in the past. I got a lot of praise for this thing in the past. So I will keep doing this thing so that I can keep getting praise and be successful with it in the future. In the future, I'm going to do the same thing. So it starts to make these predictions. And so the ego is all about reliving the past or thinking about the future and a lot of times it's the anxiety in the future so it's about it's about what could go wrong and so we're trying to predict what's going to happen and so the ego is looking into the future going oh if i try something new well that might not go very successfully and um i'm i'm not going to get praise i'm going to feel bad about myself so i'm not going to do that so when we become aware when we when we become conscious of our attachments and we consciously decide to move forward, to try something new, to step into the unknown, we become very present and we quiet the ego and we deprive it of its power of attachment. So of course, if we make the decision, then we have to act. 
because we can always decide oh yeah I'm gonna go out and get some new materials and oh I'm gonna go get a big canvas because I'm so used to working on small canvases we could decide that but then never do it so we have to actually take the action we have to try something new something different we have to consciously do that we have to venture into a new medium or experiment with a new approach or pick up a new instrument we we have to become that beginner again we have to decide and act and become that beginner again to try something new to step outside of that comfort zone and to grow and change as a creative individual and for me that's that's been a very hard thing and here lately i have felt very stuck and i think it's part of this idea of attachment i feel like i'm attached to certain materials i'm attached to a certain way of working um i'm a, I'm, I'm attached to a certain style or a certain subject matter and I've been feeling very, very stuck for for probably a couple years now, and I haven't figured out why. I mean, there have been moments where I feel like I've hit upon something, and I've tried something new, and oh, it seems to work, but then I feel like I quickly fall back into what's comfortable, what's predictable, and so that's been my struggle here lately as an as a visual artist. How do I do something new? But on the other hand, I've tried a lot of new things in other areas, like like this podcast. This podcast is is a, a complete departure. I mean, I've I've always had ideas about creativity, and I've I've shared my ideas at conferences and at conventions for art and art education. You know, I step out and I teach different at different venues throughout the country, and I'm always sharing my ideas, but. This was a way for me to venture into something new, to try something different. And yeah, it's it's hard work. And sometimes I have to record an episode two or three times because I listen to it and I'm like, oh my God, but I'm trying something new. Um, so I'm constantly trying to push myself, trying to, to get myself unstuck, trying to realize like, oh, I'm attached to these notions, these ideas, I need to let them go. And, I, and I, I think that's the big the the big lesson for this is that we need to let go of the things that we are we're resisting, the things that we're judging, the things that we are attached to. So I've talked about these creative blocks in, in very separate ways. But I think there's a lot of overlap, and I think there's a lot of similar ideas. Uh, identity comes up a lot because of the ego is involved with it all. Um, and so, you know, maybe there's a bigger blanket that kind of fits over this, but I, I like to really think about these as three separate things, as three different notions. And I like that number three. I mean, if you look up creative blocks, you might find lists that list 50 different things. If you look at other lists, it might be 10 different things. But I think if you looked at them closely, you might go, oh, well, that seems like that's about attachment or, oh, that seems like it, that's about resistance. So I think if we can keep these three notions of non-resistance, non-judgment and non-attachment in mind as we create, then we can move forward. We can become unstuck. So when we start to feel like, 
oh, I'm getting stuck or I'm feeling resistant, then we are aware of it. So we keep this in mind and we try to stay present in the moment, not thinking about the past and what we did that was good or bad or what we got our praise for, not thinking about the future, about how this thing might turn out ugly or bad or how no one's going to like it um, or how it's something totally new and I don't know how it's going to, to work. So if we can stay in the middle, in the present moment as we are creating, then we can move forward. We, we can see what's holding us back and we can let go of it. So there are three simple questions that go with this that we can keep asking ourselves. So anytime we start to feel stuck or uncertain of what to do next, we can ask three questions based on these three creative blocks. So first of all, what am I resisting? So if I'm feeling stuck or blocked in a certain way, what am I resisting? Am I resisting the very notion that I'm an artist? Am I resisting pushing myself into a new, a new area? Am I resisting my materials? So there, there's a whole lot there that I can maybe be resisting. The second question, what am I judging? Or how am I judging? But what am I judging? So am I sitting there going, oh, this is a piece of crap. It's never going to look good. I might as well throw it away. Or am I judging myself? Like, oh, I'm not even an artist. What am I thinking about? I'm not talented. So what am I judging? And then finally, what am I attached to? So as I'm working, I can look at, at something if I'm feeling stuck. Oh, I'm feeling really stuck. What am I attached to? What in here am, have I done over and over again? What in this is something comfortable? Something that I just keep repeating. It's like it's like being stuck in mud. You know, your wheels uh, spin and spin and spin and spin and you don't go anywhere because that attachment is like that pit of mud. And how can I move forward. So if I can recognize what I'm resisting, what I'm judging and what I'm attached to, then I can move forward as an artist, as a creative individual. So I'm going to kind of leave it there because I think that's a good stopping point for this discussion. Um, but that kind of wraps up my discussion about these creative blocks. And I just wanted to take a little bit of time to, to dive into them a little bit more, share a few stories, um, give you some encouragement. So as you are making work, as you are creating new recipes, as you are picking up an instrument, picking up your sewing, picking up whatever, whatever creative endeavor, because remember, this is artistic accomplices. I want to be that voice of encouragement that's going to say, hey, you know, try these, listen to this, or um, think about that. What can you do to push yourself and your creativity and your creative endeavors forward? So keep those three questions in mind as you are working. And anytime you start to feel stuck or stagnant or uncertain in your making, in your creativity, so those three questions, what am I resisting? What am I judging? And what, I, what am I attached to?
So I really appreciate you being here, uh, listening to me drone on and on and on. Um, sometimes I feel like I, I like to hear myself talk, and it's true. Um, but I, I feel like I've got something to help you with, something to encourage you with, something for you to think about. So thanks again for listening, and I really appreciate it. And as always, happy, happy creating. This has been Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott. Thank you for joining me.